Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Connection. It's so great to be with you here today. As you just heard in the introduction, I'm Ann Baldwin, one of the hosts of the show, and my good buddy, Lisa. Hi. Good morning. How are you? Good. Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, who is the president and CEO of The Connection, and we were all talking about topics that we thought would be relevant, especially, you know, now that the the snow has fallen and uh, it's getting drastically colder out there, is um, some of the programs that you offer at The Connection, Mm -hmm. which is just one of the many focuses that you have there. So if you would please do the honor of introducing our guest. I'm really excited today to introduce one of our uh, to one of our wonderful staff, Leanne Burkowski. Um, she is the program director at the Connection under our behavioral health department, and um, she's been working with individuals that experience homelessness for over 25 years. And she's extremely passionate with all the clients, and especially working with this population. Um, and she is also responsible for 11 of our uh, programs statewide, um, all of which help our Connecticut's homeless population, including permanent supportive housing, transitional housing, and, of course, the Eddy Shelter, um, which is our homeless shelter. Um, and we uh, and it also houses our young adult crisis beds, and those are homeless young adults between the age of 18 and 23. Wow. Um, yeah. So without further ado, because Leanne bounces a thousand, right? She's another superwoman, and she's the mother of two twin boys. I'm just going to throw it out there. (laughs) How (laughs) wonderful is that? College boys, but, I mean, but still. So she's a superwoman, and she also wears the best jewelry. I'm just going to throw that out there. Welcome (laughs) to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. smiling. Oh, thank you, Leanne, (laughs) for all the great work that you do. Tell us a little bit about um, the shelter um, for our listeners and let them know, um, you know, what is, you know, who, who comes in, what's the criteria, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so the Eddie's Shelter is a homeless shelter that's located on the Connecticut Valley Hospital campus. 
Um, yeah. We provide services to individual men and women between, uh, well, over the age of 18, but we also have a small program for young adults, like Lisa mentioned, that are ages 18 to 23 years old. 24-hour-a-day program, 365 days a year. Um, we can, we our capacity is 40 um, during the winter months and an additional four young adults. So 44 during the winter months. Um, so between November and March, we increase our census by 10. Um, any other time of the year, it's 34. We're funded wow. by several different funding sources um, that make up our our budget. Um, our goal is to provide safe shelter. We call it crisis housing because it's, it's supposed to be short and non-recurring. Um, the goal is to house people within 30 days once they get to the shelter. Um, it's, it's gone to about 30 to 90 days is what the state and our funders have actually requested of us. And our average length of stay is about 75 days. So people typically come into the shelter with nothing, um, no IDs, no money, no job. Um, they've, they've literally hit rock bottom. And so our case manager's job is to try to help them get all their documentation and get them ready to be housed in the community, depending on what level of care they need. So we identify that while they're there. So, Leanne, how big of a problem is it? And, and what are some of the, without getting into, you know, patient confidentiality, obviously, mm-hmm. but what are you seeing come into your um, Eddy Center uh, shelter? What are the circumstances surrounding someone who might be in that position, especially now during COVID? Yeah, it's been really different now that COVID. So there's, there's a range of different things. We see a lot of substance abuse Um people who have struggled with and are currently struggling with substance abuse that have lost everything because of it. Um, that's, that's the majority um, of the population there. It's, you know, not, not necessarily everybody's continuing to use, but they might have lost everything because of that, lost their jobs, lost family, um, just, just need to start over somehow, and they managed to get to us, and that's our goal is to kind of help them get back on their feet and be able to live in the community, live in their own apartment. We see a lot of mental illness, so there's a lot of mental health issues. So we do a lot of referrals for, for the, the guests to get help clinically and with substance abuse. And, and I, I, not everybody needs that. Some people have just fallen hard on their luck and end up in a shelter and don't have family and friends like most of us have to be able to help them. Well, Lisa, and that's one of the um, advantages really with nonprofits today. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that is that the connection has so many wraparound services, if you will, a continuum of care. Uh, you know, as, as was just alluded to, Leanne talked about, you know, different people have different needs. And if you can't meet those needs via the programs at the connection, you've got great relationships with other nonprofits and other agencies where those folks can still get what they need to get back on their feet. So one of the things about the connection, you know, as Leanne just referred to, um, if there aren't services that the connection provides, the beauty of today's world, especially here in Connecticut, is your relationship with other nonprofits and other agencies Correct. so that you always talk about meeting the person where they're at. And everybody's circumstances and everybody's needs um, are different. So it's the beauty of today's world, if you will, that these folks can get, whether it's through the connection or another agency, the help they need. Um, we 
are willing to help um, whoever we can, but we also work really closely with programs um, throughout the state in the event that um, we're either full to capacity and or there might be other services that we don't provide you know, inside our own network, we do refer out to other agencies because we, you know, want to work together and make sure that the client gets um, services they need. And we do have clients that come and get services from the connection. But let's say, you know, one thing that we don't treat is like an eating disorder. So we would, they would come to, they may even be living in one of our programs, but then they would seek outpatient services to deal with other things that they have somewhere else. So we love to collaborate because we want to ensure that the Connecticut's most um, vulnerable population gets exactly what they need. Absolutely. And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Leanne uh, Borowski, and she's the program director for the Eddie Shelter, which is in Middlesex County, and a lot of other programs, too. And it's really supportive housing, isn't it, as opposed to a homeless shelter? Because you talked about these folks can be there for up to 75 days to get the things, basic needs that they need and and to get a hand up to, you know, be in a permanent place. That's really your goal, right, Leanne? Well, yeah, I mean, the, it, the shelter is, it is, we, we, we call it crisis housing, crisis, I'm sorry, crisis shelter, um, mm-hmm. because it, it isn't supportive housing necessarily. We have supportive housing programs within the Connection and statewide. Um, there are several agencies with supportive housing programs that also provide permanent supportive housing to people where they, somebody from the shelter may not be able to move directly into their own apartment and be self-sufficient and maintain a job and their rent. So they might need extra services in case management. So those, those people might go into a permanent supportive housing type program, whether it's the connection or another agency that we collaborate with so that they have ongoing services in case management so they don't find themselves homeless again. And, and all of those programs, uh, people, the individuals that are referred to those programs or qualify for those programs have to have been homeless. And, you know, you talked about some of your funders, and we always talk about this, Lisa, is that most nonprofits can't do it on their own. It, it really does take um, support, financial support especially. So Demas is one of your big supporters, United Way of uh, Middlesex County, even the city of Middletown, other towns give a percentage. You, you apply for grants and hope that you get them, you know, mm-hmm. Department of Housing, and then, and then people's donations. And as I'm sitting here, this is kind of ironic because I'm trying to clean out my linen closet. And I'm also looking that you, you do appreciate donations, that there are certain things that you also need to make sure that your folks are in a comfortable space. And so what I'm going to do is a lot of this bedding that I don't use anymore, um, you're looking for donations from the public, from people to, you know, help furnish these places where these people are temporarily, correct? Absolutely. We we do have a we, we have a budget that is just enough to provide for staffing the shelter twenty four hours a day. Um, and so we're constantly in need of donations and particularly bedding, sheets, comforters, twin size, um, pillows, toiletries. Um, I always ask for the extra things like coffee. Um, our guests, like any of us, love coffee, and so K-cup pods are always really nice because we have a coffee pot but don't have the budget to buy the coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, non-perishable foods, I and I always try to specify, specify in the non-perishable foods, you know, things that people would eat, like microwavable meals. And, um, you know, I, I hate to sound 
um, ungrateful, but it, it's hard when we get a can of beets or something. They, we don't have the ability to cook. Um, so, you know, individual peanut butter and jellies and crackers and fruit cups and oatmeal and stuff like that is really, really helpful. Fresh fruit. Um, and, and also gift cards in small denominations, 5 to $10 gift cards to local places like McDonald's or CVS or Walgreens, Dunkin' Donuts. Those go a really long way, too, because a lot of our people come in and have zero income. They have no money until mm-hmm. the case managers are kind of able to help them. So we're always looking for donations. We um, we don't take any used clothing, um, and particularly now with COVID, we're, we're kind of particular about um, the donations coming in. So even the bedding and stuff, we ask that it's either new or freshly laundered. So, so where can you know, people get the, how do people get some of these donations to you? Where is your drop-off spot? At the shelter. It is at One Labella Circle in Middletown, Connecticut. And like I said before, it's on the Connecticut Valley Hospital campus. It is, um, there's staff there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, the, our contact information is on our website at The Connection. And, you know, and, and, and if people do come with donations that we can't accept, typically what we can do is we have a working relationship with St. Vincent de Paul, and they're, um, they're working with Goodwill. So we give people a, a donation card that they can take to a Goodwill and drop their, good, their donations off there, and we will be able to utilize $10 gift certificates for our residents so they can go back and pick out the clothes that they want. So any donation so is welcome. Of course. So let's just, you know, new bedding, twin size. That's important. You know, think about someone who's living in a dorm room. That's what this reminds exactly. me of. Exactly. Mm-hmm. These are the kinds of things that these individuals need. You know, toiletries, whether it's shampoo, conditioner, soap, deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrushes, um, you know, anything like that. Those K-cups, you know, those don't come cheap. So mm-hmm. there's nothing like a good old cup of coffee, right? Lisa loves her coffee. Um, mm-hmm. So drop those off. And we should tell people, if you want more information and uh, where you can drop your donations, you can always go to the website, um, as Leanne mentioned, and that is theconnectioninc.org, theconnectioninc.org, and all the information that you need. So your goal really is providing a, a safe shelter, and but it's for a brief time, time for people to figure out how to get up back on their feet. People that are living in our homeless shelters, some of them are, you know, chronic homeless individuals. But however, there are people that are in our shelter that at one point, you know, were working and fully functional and had some really tragic things happen in their life and they're there. And right, Leanne, I mean, we've heard stories of um, clients that have come in that I think folks would be really shocked about um, to hear their story and hear about really horrible things that happened to them when at one time they were possibly on top of the world, so to speak. Um, And so I'm really grateful that, you know, we've got this program and also that people like Leanne um, are able to, you know, make differences in people's lives. Because I have to tell you, this is a very, this this is a difficult program to run. I mean, it, it, for so many, a variety of reasons. I remember one day going to visit and one of the staff that were there, there was a, a man that, you know, w- was in and out and stayed there. Um, he was an elderly gentleman, um, had a successful life and then had his wife died and it was a lot of tragedy. And he has had an issue with like a skin issue. And I remember watching the staff rubbing his feet with cream and the sort of the banter between the two of them, this really 
caring um, relationship that they had. And I thought to myself, um, it, it was some, it was just something to see. It was a human connection. It was a staff person who connected with this gentleman and someone that he trusted and cared about. And that, you know, um, was helping him take care of himself. And I was really just really moved by that tenderness and the fact that our staff, um, really treat, um, our folks with a lot of respect. Um, I'll never, I'll never forget that in my head. I'll never forget that vision. No, and you know, that's what you always talk about too, Lisa, is, you know, the caring qualities of the staff that you have in all of your programs. Um, it's just, it's, it's in their DNA, right? This is what they do. And this is how, you know, people don't go into these programs um, to be shamed. I'm sure there's always a feeling of that, you know, initially on some of these people's behalf in the first place. So that's the last thing that you need is someone looking down upon you. You need people to figure out, as you say, Lisa, meeting them where they're at. What can we do to get mm-hmm. you back, you know, back into society as a, you know, good member of society? And that's just some people have no one. They really don't. Yeah, and a lot of the people that end up at the shelter have very few people um, still that they're still connected with. And the staff at the shelter also do a really good job about helping um, reconnect people with their families. And, you know, I think once once the family member who's sort of been burnt out over the years hears that they're, they're working with somebody and, you know, they're, they're not totally responsible for their brother or their mom or whoever it is that, that's at the shelter – they're more likely to start coming back into that person's life. And so we do a lot of trying to reconnect people with family and get them, you know, you everybody needs somebody <laughs> and so, right. you know, and a second chance. And so a lot of our a lot of our people end up reconnecting, which is good. Well one of the challenges and I, I speak from experience from my family's perspective and my recovery is um, a lot of families do get burnt out. You know, they just, they get tired and, um, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to let go. And then the other piece of that is, you know, not all families local. So you might be somewhere else and your father or son or daughter or somebody needs services. You know, it's hard to figure out how to access those services. So once you're in a program at the connection, that's what they do. They connect mm-hmm. people to the services that they need. Is there a story, um, a client story, keeping their confidentiality that um, that you may want to share with us, so that folks that are listening can sort of understand the depth and the breadth of of you know the clients that you see, either someone really young or someone older. There's so many stories, but I, there's, there was a woman that was at the shelter, and her her husband died, um, and she had no money. She was. Um, solely reliable on him. Um, she came into the shelter. She was scared, and she, she had no money. Um, initially, she was really kind of standoffish, and so through the months, and she was there a really long time. People are not usually, and they're not supposed to be in the shelter, um, like I said, more than 90 days. She was there almost a year, um, and while she was there, we identified several mental health issues, um, she slowly started becoming more um, trusting of the staff, coming up to us more often. And we, ident- like I said, we identified some mental health issues. And so we were able to refer her uh, to one of the permanent supportive housing programs within the agency. Just happens to be one that I'm still, that I mean, I'm sorry, happens to be one that I oversee. Um, so she was referred to that program. In the meantime, while she was waiting to get into that program, she started doing some peer work uh, with a 
program in Middletown. It's called the LEAD program. And so it's, uh, it's homeless individuals that go out and they go up to the legislative offices and they advocate for more funding. And uh, she started doing that and started really feeling good about herself. Anyway, we ended up housing her in a permanent supportive housing program. And she's, I was actually just talking to the director of that program the other day and they said she's just doing awesome and she's happy and she continues to volunteer her time and she has an income now. And so she's, She's somebody who I think about um, who was really kind of scared of people when she first came in. And, and so she's, she's found her footing. And I remember when I was at the legislative office for Advocacy Day one day, and she was there, and she was so dressed up, and she was so proud of herself. And obviously, we were really proud of her. Um, and then, there's you know, we have other stories that are a little more sad, but we, we tend to have with our young adult program we have a lot of kids, that I call them kids, but they're younger than mine, that are 19 years old coming into a homeless shelter, which has got to be scary. Um, so um, we also, I was, when I think about advocacy, I think about one of the 19-year-olds that came into our program, and he was doing some advocacy for us um, and for, for himself and for everybody else that's homeless. Um, and he stood up at a podium at the mayor's office and just spoke so fluently and so um, intelligently, I guess, about why we need more funding. And he, too, is somebody who's been housed, and he's doing really well. And he's only 19 years old and has no ability to go back to his family either. So um, there's there's a lot of different stories that I could tell, but... It's, yeah, there's, you know, so, and that's what we love. We love the success stories. We, You know, not everybody mm-hmm. probably makes it. I mean, that's the reality of any program, but... You know, um, and we've we've had people on this program a lot, right, Lisa? That are just true success stories. You know, single mothers with with a bunch of kids that they've lost, uh, lost yeah. custody of, and now they've got those kids mm-hmm. back, and they're working and they're reunited. Um, mm-hmm. So again, everybody's situation, you know, is different. So the Eddie Shelter um, again provides 24-hour crisis uh, to what 30 or 40 men, uh, women over the age of 18, and then you've also got um, some room for, like you said, young adults between the ages of, of 18 and 23. And how sad mm-hmm. is it that those folks are out there mm-hmm. because of their circumstances, which we can't judge. I mean, everybody has their stuff. So to know that there's a place where these folks can go. But I would also guess, Leanne, that, you know, even with the number of beds that you've got, it's not enough. It's not enough. And um, no, never. interesting, this is interesting timing of, of this um, call is because um, because of COVID, there's a, we've, lo- we've lost uh, some capacity within the shelter because we have to social distance and provide a safe space for people. But the warming center that is normally opened during the winter months um, that normally doesn't have a capacity so people can come off the streets to stay warm and to survive, um, they, they don't have the ability to do that. And so now people are being put in hotels. Um, the hotels are full. Um, they filled up quickly. And the shelter is full. And so I was actually talking to um, somebody from the Department of Housing yesterday about plans for last night because it was snowing. And the governor has issued a cold weather protocol um, through Saturday, I believe. And during that time, the expectation prior to COVID is is all shelters open their doors. We would never turn somebody away um, because of COVID. Um, that's, it's not an option for us to just add more and more people to the census. So um, it, it, there's a lot fewer beds. 
um, a lot of the shelters in Connecticut don't have the ability that we have to social distance. Um, so a lot of shelters had to close and go to hotels or motels and have to use those spaces. So um, it is it is a topic of conversation right now in every meeting that I attend um, and isolation spaces for people who test positive, et cetera. So, um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's been the topic of conversation. Unfortunately, um, we have a plan in place. Um, I worked with the woman, like I said, from the Department of Housing, and we, we came up with some plans so that hopefully no one would be turned away and have to sleep outside on a, on a cold night like last night or tonight or tomorrow night. Or the rest of the winter or any night, really. So, again, we mentioned um, that donations really are needed for this program. And um, the list and all the information um, on the Eddie Shelter is listed on the website. The Connections website is theconnectioninc.org, theconnectioninc.org. We talked about this earlier. Just pretend you're sending supplies for someone who's in a dorm room. Nice new uh, twin sheets, perishable foods like popcorn, peanut butter, things like that, gift cards. You can't go wrong there in small denominations because these folks really don't have a lot. So I want to thank you again, Leanne Borkowski. Uh, this has been a great conversation Keep up the good work, and Lisa, as usual, it was nice having you here, and congratulations to you on being the head of yet another successful and inspiring program. Thank you. Just a bunch of thank yous, but we couldn't do it without you, our listeners, for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.